This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Someone in this world is standing with me. I don't know who they are, but I know they're there. And it's that simple note on a chocolate bar that can change the whole outlook of a soldier. So thank you to everyone. Thank you. Please get involved with Chocolates for Heroes. Go to Insight to Israel on Facebook. Find the webpage, insighttoisrael.org. Send us an email. Let us know that you want to be a participator and not a spectator. Now, moving forward, yeehaw, while I get fired up. Nice. That's great stuff, man. I'll tell you what, there is nothing like eating the meat, you know? Great stuff. Anyway, so I want to... I apologize. I did... My, my brain is so full right now. Josh Reinstein. Josh, I apologize. Josh Reinstein. Listen, uh, and I can't remember her. <laughs> Josh, I apologize. You're your administrator. Uh, Renee. Renee. Great. She's, that girl's on top of it. Oh, yeah. Whatever you're paying her, she needs a raise. <laughs> she just got one. She, she, what's that? <laughs> she just got one. Ah, she just got one. Nice. <laughs> nice. Listen, Josh, I want to say uh, thank you for being on Inside Disney. It's an honor to be on the show, Michael, and a fan of the work that you're doing, and thank you for having me. You're very welcome. We're actually outside of Jerusalem. What's the name of this? It's Mevaseret Zion. Mevaseret Zion is like uh, the messenger of Zion, because here we're on the highest mountaintop of the mountain range of Jerusalem, and from here you can see the glory of Jerusalem. Wow. And so it's, it's, it's aptly named the messenger of Zion. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. It is, it's, uh, the street I live on is called Struma. Struma Street. Folks, this is the, the amazing thing about this country. There is a story behind every street name. Oh, yeah. Struma, I spent a year in Romania teaching school. Struma is a ship that was bringing Romanian Jews to Israel to make Aliyah. And the ship was actually sunk. Uh, I think the British had something to do with it. I apologize, I don't remember all the details, but uh, I thought it was quite significant that I spent a year in a country that that I that I actually fell in love with. I'll meet with Shoah survivors that were from Romania, and I tell them in my heart, Israel's number one, Romania's number two, the United States number three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I agree with those rankings, but uh, uh, it's a good there, message. Everything has its reasons, <laughs> but uh, they're shocked when I speak Romanian to them. But to think that I was in Romania, I live on Struma, in spite of the story uh, and the significance of what it means, and I'm here in the Jewish state. So, Josh, listen, I want to say thank you for being on the show. Tell us a little bit. I want, to, I want you to tell us, because you're American. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas, the great state of Texas. Uh, From one Lone Star State to the other. <laughs> Wow, that's great stuff. I'm going to quote you in that. I think I'm quoting someone else. I think I stole that. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, wow, that's really good, though. I've never heard that before. Josh, let me ask you. You're, you're 38. Can I say that? Yeah, sure. You're 38. You actually served in the IDF. Oh, yeah. You were a lone soldier? I was a lone soldier. What? Yeah. What? You're 38 years old. Now, 
I'm gonna if, if I'm under the right impression back in back in those days, there's not a huge support base for the lone soldiers. That's come a long way. Oh yeah, it's come a lot longer way than it was back then. We didn't have much of a support base uh, at all, and now there's all sorts of different programs for lone soldiers and centers. So it's good to see that. It's amazing. Now, if you for the listening audience, if you don't know what a lone soldier is, a lone soldier is someone uh, a soldier. Who serves in Israel without his family. Who serves without your immediate family. And uh, many times it's very difficult for them because of that lack of support base. But now, like you said, uh, there's a guy that I do work with. We do a lot of work with lone soldiers and with Gulani. And uh, the love that is poured out. When, when, one thing I found out about the Jewish people here, the Israeli Jews, is that when there's an, uh, a door open, they'll flood it with what, whatever needs to be done. Oh yeah, there's a great sense of community here. and uh, One of the great things about Shabbat, or Friday night dinner, is that as a lone soldier, or even as a, an individual Jewish person, you can knock on any random door. Or a non-Jew. Or non-Jew, yeah. Oh yeah, or non-Jew. I mean, you can pretty much knock on any random door on a Friday night and say, look, I don't have a place to go for dinner, and they'll invite you right in. It's amazing. I mean, it doesn't matter Josh, who it's you amazing. are. Josh, yeah. it's amazing. When did you... Uh, did you, after you got out of the military, did you actually see any action while you were in? Yeah, I actually uh, served in the military uh, in 2000 until the middle, about the end of 2001. And six days into my military service, the second intifada started. Wow. So I served during what we call the Oslo Wars. Uh, it was quite a crazy time uh, to be a soldier. And yeah, there was, there was unfortunately a lot of action those days. It's not quiet and, and safe as it is today. Josh, did you have any friends that, that uh, lost their life? During that time, I wa- I remember watching that on the news from the United States. That's it was insanity. Yeah, I mean, uh, there were a lot of great soldiers who fell. I lost a, a couple friends during that time. Um, one of my best friends uh, from back home was serving, and in his unit. He lost uh, four uh, soldiers uh, during that time, and, and these are all buddies of ours that were uh, friends uh, as well. And you know, these are people who came and, and said they're going to defend the country with their lives, and uh, they paid the ultimate price. Wow, wow. Josh, I want to say thank you for your service to the country. Um, it's an honor. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, to be with these, I was just at a base last night, and to see... Uh, the conviction in these young people that know we are Jews and we must defend ourselves. Well, look, you have to look at it from a different point of view. It's, it's an incredible honor to serve the Jewish state of Israel as someone uh, who's come from a Jewish background. You know, if you look at, we just had a few months ago uh, Memorial Day, and since 1880 in... Uh, in all the terrorist attacks, and all the wars, and all the pogroms before the state of Israel, till today, we lost uh, almost 25,000 people. Wow. That's including all the wars, all the terrorist attacks. It's a, it's a huge number. It's a huge number of people. It's a huge sacrifice. But we also, also always have to remember that that's roughly 10 days in Auschwitz. Wow. And, and to, the, that's the difference between having a Jewish state and fighting for it 
and being at the lead of someone else, uh, which we will never do again as Jewish people. Because when you have a Jewish state, you can fight, and when you don't, you go to sheep like the you go to slaughter like sheep. Right. And, and that's been the lesson of the Jewish people. That's why the Jewish state is so important for the security of the Jewish people, and why it's such an honor to serve and, and to have the right after two thousand years of praying to come back to our land, establish a country, and fight for it. I don't think the Goy could have put it any better. <laughs> wow, I've never heard that comparison uh, with with those lost in the Holocaust. Yeah, look, you have to understand that six million Jews were wiped out, men, women, and children, and, and we didn't have a place to, to run to. I mean, even Canada at the time, when, when Jewish refugees came, said none is too many. That was their answer, how many refugees they would take. So for us, it's a uh, it's 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 the big difference, the big difference that we have in Israel, and it's it's ironic today because during the 1930s they always said that you know the Jews are wandering, Jews are going into to other people's countries and trying to take over. That was the anti-Semitic line, That's correct. and that you know the reason we have to fight the Jews is because they don't have a nation of their own. They're trying to take our own nation over. Today, the anti-Semites around the world are saying the reason we have to fight the Jews is because they do have a country. They have this country, Israel. And we have to fight Israel. Man. So wickedness will not let you win either way. No, it's uh, it's a situation where we know that this is just uh, modern anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism. But the big difference is we have our own army, we have our own government, we have our own policies. And you're 20 years in advance. In advance, I'm gonna tell you, I'm hard on Americans because we have let this thing go so far in the U.S. I can say this: I'm an American. Uh, I worked in politics for 12 years. We are corrupt to the core. Now, what country isn't? But we were the country that set the standard, that laid the foundation, that was... Even the founding fathers saw the U.S. as the new Zion, a place for the Jewish people to come. There's a whole history that the leftists don't talk about. Well, look, I would disagree. I think America is a shiny uh, example of a of, of real friend. And the reason America loves Israel and Israel loves America is that both countries were founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Right. And it's that Judeo-Christian ethic that has brought us together. And, you know, you can debate whether the government is pro or against Israel. And you know, there are a lot who say the exact administration today is very anti-Israel and you can debate it back and forth, but no one can debate the fact that the American people love American Israel. People act American absolutely, people absolutely. love God, love the God of Israel, love the Bible of Israel, and they love the people of Israel. And, Amen. And that's a bond that, and that's why I had to differ with your rankings of putting Romania ahead of America on that list. I said... <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, America has been a tried and true friend and ally. I'll tell you what, the American people, and I think Definitely Hershey's for Heroes. Oops, excuse me. Chocolates for Heroes. Wow, I just cut my tongue out. Chocolates for Heroes has been a blessing uh, that has shown the love of the American people for the Israeli soldiers and the people in general here. You know, it's very interesting, Josh, because uh, one of the things that you do, and I, I should have mentioned this in the beginning, but we're here now, but uh, tell us a little bit about... Your uh, connection that you bring, try to bring Christians uh, closer to the Jewish state. Well, I run something called the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus. The Knesset is our parliament, and it's made up of members of Knesset, or parliament members from Israel, from left to right, religious secular, who work to build direct lines of communication and cooperation with Christian leaders around the world. 
whether it be church leaders, leaders of organizations, uh, or political leaders, we realize that it's time that Jews and Christians come together to defend our uh, Judeo-Christian heritage. Uh, we call it faith-based diplomacy, and thank God it's been a huge success. Today, people in elected positions who are men and women of faith have taken their biblical support for Israel and turned into real political action. And uh, we have now 35 Israel Allies caucuses around the world in different parliaments, uh, including in America, the Congressional Israel Allies Caucus, which is made up of 86 members of the House of Representatives. Uh, and this is a network of over a thousand elected officials who stand with Israel both bi biblically and politically. Wow. That's amazing. How did, uh, what, how did all this get started? It's interesting. We started in 2004, and the idea came about uh, together with myself and a member of Knesset who passed away, Yuri Stern, Allah Shalom. And he had a real labor of love in reaching out to Christians. And, and the reason was is because when he was a refusenik in the former Soviet Union, it was Christians who were coming in and smuggling in the information and out to, about the, the plight of the Jewish people there. Wow. Uh, and so he realized that Christians have a real love for the people of Israel and the Bible of Israel. This isn't a means to an end. This isn't a, uh, you know, a ruse to try to convert Jews to Christianity. There's a real love of the Bible, the people, and the God of Israel. Absolutely. And because he realized this, he realized that it, he had to do something within the parliament to reach out to Christians, but we didn't really know what. And uh, we realized that the best way to move forward was to try to create a caucus whereby bringing together all the different members of the parliament to meet on the issue of, well, who are these Christians who stand with Israel? Why do they support us? And how can we work with them? And this has led to a new relationship between Jews and Christians in the 21st century, one that's based on trust and, and respect. And, and it's been very exciting to be a part of the whole process. Well, you know, it amazes me, and I wish more Israelis I'm telling you, as I travel this country and reach out to the grassroots, uh, there's so many Israelis that say to me, are there more people like you in the world or even in the U.S.? And I'm like, of course there are. There's, there's millions that stand with you, and they can't see it. Josh, they, I'm telling you, the Israeli-born Jews many times are not able to see this, this grassroots across the United States that love this country. And it's very sad. It's very sad. Well, I think that there's a narrative that the world is against us, and that's something that's being promoted by our own media. It's unfortunate. Unfortunately, but yes. there's incredible support around the world for Israel, for its capital, Jerusalem, for the people of Israel. Uh, we see it in America in both Republican and Democratic parties. And, you know, Democrats support Israel a lot of times because of Jewish support. And Republicans support Israel a lot of times because of Bible-believing Christian support. And I think that Israelis, for the most part, understand that. Uh, there's a real coming together of, of Israelis on this issue because they realize that what they call people of the book, both Jews and Christians, are, are those who will stand by values and beliefs ahead of economic and political concerns. Absolutely. And, and that's the most important thing when it comes to Israel. You know, if you want to, if you have an economic agenda, you're not necessarily going to stand with Israel. We have one vote in the UN compared to 22 Arab votes, many more Muslim votes. If you have an economic agenda, you're not necessarily going to stand with Israel. We have very little oil compared to our oil-rich neighbors. It's only people who put values. Yeah. 600 years of gas and oil. It's amazing. I've been doing the research for the past four years. We're, we we have natural gas, and we found amazing uh, you know amounts of it offshore that we're drilling now, but it has yet to pr produce fruits, and it's not real oil. 
it's gas, which is a difference. And on the other hand, our neighbors are pumping tens or hundreds of billions of dollars with the oil, so most people want to cozy up to the oil-rich countries. Now, people who put values and beliefs ahead of economic and political concerns will stand in Israel because we're the only free democracy in the Middle East. We're the only place with uh, religious freedoms, with rights for women and men, uh, you know, equality. Uh, we have freedom of media, the freedom of democracy, freedom of association, all the, the rights and, and, and human rights that people hold dear, they're only here. They don't have them in any of the 22 Arab countries around us. Right. So people who hold those values dear will stand with Israel unless they want to put their political and economic agendas ahead of them. So that leads to people to book, both Jews and Christians, who believe in the Bible and understand that the most important thing is God's Word, God's values, and, and the, the Ten Commandments. I mean, that, that's what it boils down to. So I think Israelis are understanding more and more who their real friends are. Today it's Christians, not countries, that are standing with Israel. That was very well put. Oh, thank you. That was awesome. That was awesome. So, <clears throat> when you first started this, uh, did you think it would be as big as it's got? No, absolutely not. We didn't see it uh, becoming such a big operation. Uh, today, uh, faith-based diplomacy, as I said, is one of our most... Uh, important and potent weapons in our diplomatic arsenal. Uh, we have uh, a huge network of parliamentarians who are standing with Israel on a variety of different issues, and we see it growing everywhere. I mean, African countries, a lot of the heads of state are, are Bible-believing Christians. Also in South America, there's been a shift, and more and more, we're seeing more and more support from people who believe in the Bible, and it's become something that has been a huge phenomenon. And also, I have to say that a lot of organizations have really taken this on themselves and worked in that area, so it's much more than just what I'm doing. It's happening all over the world in an unprecedented burst of activity. And some will say that, you know, this is all a coincidence, but people of faith have another word for it, and that's inspiration. And I think we all know where inspiration comes from. But we believe that, that, you know, these prophecies are being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Absolutely. And, and Jews and Christians coming together is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Absolutely. Wow, that's really good. What would you say uh, one of your biggest accomplishments in the work that you've been doing uh, has been? You know what? There's been a lot of a lot of accomplishments on the legislative side. Uh, we see it all over the world. Uh, we were responsible uh, uh, in the United States uh, for the information education behind the anti-BDS legislation that we're seeing take hold in some of the states across America. There's now 12 states that have passed uh, anti-BDS laws. Uh, in Europe, uh, we were involved in... Um, information that uh, led to two laws, one in Hungary, one in Italy, that made it illegal to uh, uh, to deny the Holocaust, uh, which is something wow. we didn't plan to do, but because uh, in those governments they were coming together as a caucus, they took on Jewish issues as well. Uh, and, and, you, and we've seen a lot of uh, African countries come closer to Israel and economic because they realized that, you know, if they bless Israel, they'll be blessed. But I think our biggest accomplishment has just been able to get so many supporters of Israel at the government level together right. so that they can speak with a, you know, a, a one voice. Now, uh, it doesn't get into the mainstream media all the time. No. But at the no. same time, it has incredible impact on many things that happen uh, from, you know, celebrating Jerusalem Day, as Jerusalem is the undivided ca capital of Israel, uh, to, you know, fighting uh, modern-day anti-Semitism. So just having the network and being able to use it for uh, pro-Israel initiatives has been a, a real blessing to the state of Israel. Josh, let me ask you, th this is a very important question. Uh, 
And there's a lot of things Americans are very, very ignorant when it comes to uh, an uneducated, let me use the word uneducated, uh, when it comes to America's policy with Israel, governmental policy. Um, you, you have, the BDS movement has pretty much failed. Yeah, I would say so. To a great degree. In the research that I've done, the biggest threat, even more so, 100 times more than the BDS, is the funding, the government funding, to over funding free food, free medicine, free weapons, CIA, and military training to over a dozen Muslim countries and the Palestinian Authority by the U.S. government. Every time a rocket comes from the Gaza, it's got paid for by the U.S. taxpayer written on the side of it. What, uh, what steps do you think need to be taken to stop, look, I was just, I did a video on the Jordanian border. American soldiers are there. They're training Jordanian troops. Now, the Jordan and Egypt are quote-unquote at peace with you, but that's only because the United States government is shoving money down their throat. I'm going to make my point. They're only your friends. A Muslim country is only your friend because they're getting paid off. Period. It's that simple. Uh, you know, I don't. I disagree. First of all, I don't think that the the terrorist organizations, for the most part, are being funded by the CIA or America. Uh, I, I think that we have to say thank you to America for the financing they're giving us. We get something like three billion dollars a year. Let me say this though. But the, the the second point I want to make is okay. that the reason that Jordan and Egypt is standing with Israel, you know, in some areas, isn't because America's forcing them to. In fact. America's very unpopular in Egypt right now. I know that you know right. that America backed the Muslim Brotherhood against El Sisi. Right. And so he's not returning any phone calls too fast over there. Right. The reason they stand with Israel on, on some interests, and they're not, you know, I wouldn't let them hold my uh, glasses in a bar fight or anything like that. <laughs> you know, but, but but the reason they stand with Israel on some money is because we have a mutual enemy, and that is the radical Islamization that is threatening to take over their countries. If Israel was not here, both Egypt and Jordan would be run by ISIS right, right. now. No, I mean, absolutely. that's without a doubt. They know that. And in fact, now, because America has made this deal with Iran on their nuclear program, we're even getting support like we've never seen before by countries like Saudi Arabia, which have always been traditional enemies because they know that Israel is the big the big guy on the block. We've right. got the weapons. We've got the know-how. We have a booming economy. We have incredible technologies. And so, if it's between us and their, you know, their enemies, Iran, then they're going to see, okay, you, you know, we have a lot in, in opposition, but we also have things in common. Let's see what we can do together. So I don't know if it, that I would agree with your analysis on the Middle East. What I would say is that, you know, Israel in the end are always going to have to go it alone. I mean, we're, that's, that's our history. That's what we know. We're prepared for it. And so no matter what other countries do in the region or how it is, our, our policies have to be made soundly on what's best for the security of Israel. Absolutely. And I think that's where we've been hitting heads with other countries uh, around here because we don't we want to do what's best for our citizens first. I think our Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been very good at, you know, putting Israel first when it comes to these issues instead of going along to get along. You know? No, he's got a very tough job, and uh, the media certainly doesn't help him in that area. Um, 
We'll agree to disagree. <laughs> I, I, I see what I see is, is uh, arming up of your enemies by the U.S. Uh, we could talk about how much money the U.S. gives Israel, but you actually have to fund. I have Yoram Edinger. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Oh, sure. Very good friend. He's, he's our governmental uh, policy advisor. And uh, stuff he's educated me on. As far as what the U.S. government is going, yeah, we give you money, but you, we, you basically fund and feed our military-industrial complex, and we give you equipment that's substandard, substandard, and you take that equipment and take your Jewish intelligence, which is the greatest in the world, more smarter than America, and you create weaponry, which is 20 years in advance, even to the United States. So when we arm your enemies and fund your enemies as far as a government entity, not the people, I differentiate between the two. When we're funding and arming your enemies, uh, such as Jordan and Egypt, which I agree you do have a similar case in common, uh, but at the end of the day, Muslim is a Muslim is a Muslim. And uh, the Koran calls for your death. And it's only a matter of time before it all comes back. This is my perspective. Uh, as I've studied policy and, and You Islam. have to look at it with a, a, a lens of the Middle East. There's no doubt that America is our best friend by far. They give us unprecedented support militarily. Now, it's not all one way, like you said. We have uh, technology that we share with America, and it makes their capabilities a lot better. Yeah. But, you know, you look at other Western countries like Europe, they're labeling our goods and telling us, you know, right. they're, they're, they're back in 1930 uh, Europe now. So I think it's very easy to pick hairs between friends, but you got to thank uh, America for what they do for Israel. It's, it's, it's a tremendous support, and it gives us a military edge. What can we do to stop funding to the Palestinian Authority as Christians? Well, I think you need to talk to your congressman and say, look, you know, we have to be honest. The, the Palestinian Authority... Uh, the special advisor to Mahmoud Abbas came out and said he needs to slice the throats of all Israelis and Jews everywhere. You can't fund that. You know, they, they just they just did a, a monument to a guy who killed 15 citizens wow. with a refrigerator bomb. They could have done a monument to anyone, a singer, an actor, a <laughs> but, but they decided to, to do the monument to the guy who took a refrigerator, filled with explosives, and killed 15 Israeli civilians. Wow. And they're not, the, they're not the partner for peace. Uh, with anything, this is just going to perpetuate the situation. And Americans need to know where their tax dollars are going. Absolutely. Unfortunately, it's going to the UN, an anti-Semitic organization run by godless dictators and tyrants who slam Israel every chance they get for human rights abuses when we're the only place in the Middle East that's a free democracy with human rights for all its citizens, regardless of religion, race, and creed. Right. And so you have to see where the money's going and, and talk to your congressman about why are they supporting these initiatives. Now, I can tell you that in the Congress, there are a number of different initiatives, including putting a lot of different uh, safe fails on the uh, funding of the Palestinian Authority that's going through because Americans are doing that. They're questioning where this money's going to. So I think people just need to get involved. Amen. Listen, uh, if you had a message for Americans, because I want to get, we need to get more Americans involved, more uh, uh, Christian groups involved with your organization. Uh, what what would be one final message that you would send to them about think, what you're doing? If you want to talk about what I'm doing specifically, I would go to the uh, Christian Allies Caucus Facebook or to the Israel Allies Foundation uh, Facebook and sign on and get involved and see what we're doing and see where you can plug in. But if you want to look at the, the you know the 30,000 sky viewpoint, I think you need to take 
uh, from what God says and, and make it part of your life, that you need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The reason God asks you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem isn't because he needs your prayers. It's because he wants you to keep focused on Jerusalem. He wants you to think about Jerusalem. He needs to read about Jerusalem, teach Jerusalem to your children and your friends. And, and I think once you focus your life on Jerusalem, as God has commanded through prayer, then everything else will come in alignment. And people will do things like you're doing. This is Michael Gano with the Middle East Research Center Limited, bringing you insight to Israel, the truth about the greatness of the Jewish state and its struggle for sovereignty and security every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. We all have comfort zones. They're those areas of life that when disturbed, we cry out and protest, it's not fair, I don't like this. Instead of seeking your own comfort, imagine what the world would be like if we were looking to comfort others. That's what God does. The psalmist said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, God has every right to demand that we bring him comfort, but instead he reaches out, and in our times of hurt, he brings healing. When Jesus Christ returns to this world again someday, every believer will be united with the Lord. That passage ends with a powerful sentence of security. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort. It conjures up thoughts of ease and inactivity. Yet the most comfortable we can be is in the center, the active center and purpose of our lives for God. Instead of looking for a way out of your current circumstances, why not look up to the Christ of comfort who will help you, heal you, and make you whole? This is John Bryan bringing you today's key word. And we're back. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel Chocolates for Heroes. Wow. 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 What a great first half of the radio show. And uh, Roy Paled, we were actually interviewing uh, an organization that reaches out to Christians. Usually it's Christians reaching out to, to the Jewish community. But this is a Jewish organization that lobbies and reaches out to the Christian community, which... In my opinion, I think it's very sad that they would have to. But uh, great guy, great organization. I always thought the way the guy was talking, I think he knows. I think he knows the Bible better than some Christians. <laughs> but uh, it was a great interview. Roy Paled, we had. Uh, it's it's great to have you back on the show, brother. It's great to be here. And uh, it's it's been a it's been a couple years since you've been on, and so many things have happened in your life. That uh, um, that's why I wanted to have you on the show, even with the brief times. You have a wedding you have to go to. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm sorry for that. No, no, it's okay because I've been to quite a few weddings in the past few weeks, and I will tell you what, brother, it was amazing, amazing. Well, it's a good friend, and I can't, uh, I cannot, and I will not miss it. But you know, I'm. Always here for you whenever you say I'm there. No, I appreciate it, bro. Listen, you and I met through a mutual friend, Pamela Lazarus. Pamela, dear Pamela. From Volunteers for Israel. Yes. uh, Which is one of the first things I did when I came to the Jewish state. I documented volunteering with your military, and it was such an honor to be with these amazing young people. You know what? It's such an honor to have people from abroad coming here. And I think, and I told it to Pamela many times. I think that seeing volunteers makes us appreciate what we sometimes take as obvious. 
Yeah, it could be even our country. Take for granted. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, Roy, even on the bus to Kafariona, which takes about almost two hours, uh, and normally wouldn't take that long in a car, but the privilege I have uh, riding the bus, and when sometimes when I say that, people look at me like I'm crazy, <laughs> but to see your young people in uniform and to stop, I, I didn't bring any chocolate bars with me. I had a little, I was, there were some things that happened that I was running late. And I felt naked. I felt like I wasn't doing my job, not having chocolate bars on me, because I normally do. But to even get on the bus and stop and say thank you to your soldiers. I always walk up and I hold out my hand and I say, Toda. And they're like, Lama, why? What do you want? (laughs) And I say thank you for defending the Jewish state, Roy. The gratitude, the red-faced gratitude. It's, it's, It's something you don't see a lot here. It's... It's amazing. Not, yeah, it is. It is. Thank you for doing that. Even those those gestures are amazing. It can change a soldier's day. Not talking more than that. And how much more? How much more with a simple note on a chocolate bar? Mm-hmm. Wow. That that's that project is amazing. So I want to say thank you for that for Americans who are participators and not spectators in giving to chocolates for heroes. It could change someone's day. Yeah. And someone's weak and you don't know how how much would it would it affect just a little chocolate bar and a smile and saying thank you for what you're doing. Suddenly you realize, hey, I'm doing it not only to for my sergeant or not only I'm doing it for something way bigger than myself even. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, I wanna share a story real quick. I was on the bus today and the soldier, his father's American. And his mother is Israeli. His parents are divorced. He lives here. Very smart young man. He's actually was asked to go to officer school. And uh, he has an opportunity to go to school in the United States. And when I, I didn't have any chocolate bars, but I thanked him for defending the country. He's in the Air Force. And uh, I, I gave him my business card and told him about chocolates for hers. I said, check out the social media. See how much Americans love you. By putting a simple note on a chocolate bar. This kid, Roy, was the lady. He said, you don't know. He said, I've, I've been going through a tough time. I've been struggling. And just the fact that you would even say what you just said to me. That's the thing. Wow. That's I, the thing. Brother, it makes you want to cry sometimes. Because when you think you got it tough, man, we don't have it tough. Ain't nobody got it that tough. You know? Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so thank you, America. Thank you. Thank you for sending those chocolate bars with a simple note of love. Well, I'm, also, I'm not a soldier anymore, but I see what it does to people, and yes, thank you on their behalf. Amen. Thank you, Roy, for saying that. It's always good to have that input from an Israeli. Roy, uh, you've had a lot happen. Tell us, I want you to tell us about, uh, give us a brief overview about a, a, a young lady that you dated was very special in your life. Uh, that I'm sure that looking at, uh, I, I obviously never met her, but looking at the history that you two shared, I'm sure, more than sure, that you would have made her your wife. That was the idea. Yeah. And uh, she was actually killed by two men that were here during business from France in a hit and run. Share us with us a little bit about uh, that. I'll correct just one thing. They okay. weren't here. The business, yeah, they were here doing business, but 
during time after about three months from the the hit and run we realized that the business that they were doing was involved in mafia and crime families and wow worldwide trading for co2 and and crimes and apparently they set and they were in and out of jail from the 90s wow and there one of them is a billionaire with great lawyers so do, coming to Israel had for business is not the exact same <laughs> obviously but um, if we go over the timeline then yeah I was in the in my unit serving my in my unit and do Devon which is a very special unit yes and I want to say thank you for your service to the country brother it was a privilege and uh, I would do it again. So I spent around four years in, in the unit and during that time I've met beautiful young lady Lee and we haven't spoken she was my uh, team members little sister uh, <laughs> which was a problem in the beginning but seven years later actually well while I was in the States um, after the military I moved and I served at the uh, Prime Minister's office at the Ministry of Defense Wow. Um, now that I forgot I apologize that's wow. this is that was my main job for like uh, nine years and during one of my missions abroad I wasn't living in Israel most of the time I spent some years in India some time in in Istanbul and during one of my missions abroad I was actually in San Francisco and social media got me to mention that I'm on San, that I'm in San Francisco and I got a after five minutes after five minutes I got an, uh, a Facebook note from Lee for seven years since I last saw her apparently she lives in Arizona she got a full scholarship for uh, med school in in Arizona Wow. Uh, learning to be a doctor the university in the university uh, in the Arizona University and she said hey what are you doing here we started to talk and with time after a few months of actually long very long distance relationship between starting in San Francisco and Arizona and I moved back to Israel we fell in love Wow. And it took about five months till this she decided that she's coming here for, for coming to Israel for a spring break. And after two months in Israel we decided she decided to let go of the full scholarship that she got and try to get into the Israeli to Tel Aviv University. Wow. And we decided that we're gonna move in together and we found an apartment and I needed to go abroad for a mission. Um, for a week and I went abroad and during my staying there it was a Friday morning I got a phone call that told me that Lee died in a hit-and-run accident and no one knows where the driver is or what's going on and I was waiting for my first flight home I was in Poland at the time with the Israeli, with the Israeli chief of staff um, and I got a phone call and I got the first flight back home and since then it was once we realized who were the guy who the guys were and that they escaped and who what, how much money do they have and then there was 
a phase of them threatening me and they broke my bike and sending all types of messages. It's then crazy. It was. It was. Then we decided, I gathered some friends and we decided we're going to find out who they are, what did they do, what did they do in Israel. We're going to help the police to do whatever, to get all the information they can. And we did that. And with time, we managed to pull out more pressure on those guys and to get the media involved with it and to get the members of the Israeli parliament be involved, being involved with it. Wow. And we got to the Israeli parliament and I spoke in different forums and we got, uh, we got the French um, president, Nicolas Sarkozy, to support us. And we got everyone on this case until we managed to have a little change of small letters in the French law and they were called by a French judge who got uh, the Israelis sent all the investigation materials to Paris there was a team of investigators from Paris <coughs> flying to Israel and it was it took three years till they decided eventually to put them in trial and it was a big mess in the public media there and eventually they were sentenced to a maximum amount of time in jail in the French law which is not too much and sentenced to jail how much time did they get the driver got five years with no shortcuts and no uh, no uh, short time release and the other guy sat next to the driver got a year and a half apparently it's wow nothing that's nothing it's nothing this you've is been why. charged with manslaughter in the US and gotten yeah yeah and more than that I can tell you that one of them is probably a state state's witness now for the CO2 investigations and the driver is actually got a got his way out he's legally out of jail now but oh my god yeah, he's probably a state witness. That's insane. It is. You spent a lot of money, your own personal money. You spent a lot of your effort, a lot of your time. I'm telling you, brother, I watched those videos, and I read all about this when uh, when I first heard about it. And, man, I have to tell you, I, I don't know what to say. It's an honor to be... I know you... Look, you're a normal guy, you're an average, but you're not normal. You're a freak. <laughs> This is what I say but, but, in, my, in my talks now. It's okay. It's okay. I know it's okay to be crazy. It's yeah. okay. To but that be. what what you what you were willing when you when you give of yourself for something, others see it as a sacrifice, but you see it as something more. As a price you pay. What is the price? You pay? I know what the price I'm paying, and I know what the price I paid, and I knew what's the price I'm gonna pay, but. I knew what's the so-called product that I'm getting for this price. And right. if the product at the time was justice, then yeah, I will pay whatever price it takes. Wow. There is a saying in my talks that I say that Nietzsche said that, that someone, a person who has a why to live for can carry any how. Wow. And I knew my why. Wow. I didn't know how am I going to do it. I didn't know. That's why I'm, what I'm talking about in my talks now all over the country. If you know why you're doing what you're doing, the how will come. We didn't know 
how to raise money. We didn't know. I didn't know nothing about media. I didn't know nothing about the worldwide French Israeli mafia. But I knew why I'm doing what I'm doing, and the the goal was one to put these guys uh, in front of a judge, put these guys behind bars, and the how will manage. And this is what I'm taking to my life now. This is how I'm acting, and this is why what I'm I'm telling people. Or sharing my my idea with people because I think it really works. Well, it's amazing when I and, and and you'll have to fill in the blanks where I fail. But you know, you're a young guy. I, I'll never forget that sometimes I, when I'm talking to, to soldiers that are not that are in special units and and things, uh, I always talk about you because mm-hmm. I uh, because one thing stood <laughs> to me. You know, you were a young guy. <laughs> did you now? Did you tell me your dad was in Gavati? My dad was in Golani. In Golani, in Golani. That's what it was. Yeah. I was close. It was in the Jeep. Yeah, yeah. But I remember you told me that I was like, "What was your motivation to get through that amazing, insane training?" And you, you said, oh, "I was a young guy. Part of it was you always get the girls when you're in a special uh, unit. When you're in a special <laughs> unit, I'll never forget that. But I will never forget the story you told me about your dad. And." Uh, I apologize I didn't get the unit right, so but uh, how your dad had a Golani flag hanging and when you told him you were going in yeah, he was like It was a yeah, it was a <laughs> brown beret and 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 red beret and it was a big problem for him that I'm going to uh, to the to that unit. To the other unit and not it's not Golani, but yeah. But here you are, you get into this special unit. Uh, then after you get out of the military, you serve, what, how many years were you Nine. In? Nine years. Wow. Wow. And almost half of that's training. Uh, is that, am I close? You're, a lot of it is training. A lot of it. You train, you have a training course. Right. And I cannot elaborate more about that. Right. But you have trained a lot. So you do that, then you do what you did for the, for the government, and, you know... Now and and you have you also you're still involved with your organization, Expert Security. Yeah, uh, which company. I think is amazing, amazing what you guys do. Thank uh, you. Works, works. We have a big show in November in uh, in Tel Aviv. We'll call you. You have to come. You'll yes, definitely, definitely. Train young kids and for their army service. I've been down in the sand with those kids. You have, and they motivated yeah. me. <laughs> You were killing it. You were killing it. But uh, with that, then you go through all this thing with with Lee, and now you're giving these motivational speeches. I look at your life. Wow. And you've got a book. Am I right? You wrote a book? Coming. I'm writing it. I hope to finish it in like two months. In two months. Hopefully. Can we get exclusivity in an interview? Sure. About this book? Sure. When it will be... When when it first comes out. I will do an amazing video for you. And promote it through Insight to Israel. I'm not sure. You know what? I'm still, I'm still not sure if I want to publish it or just have it. To, Whatever. Just publish I don't know. the thing. Make a million dollars. You deserve it. And it's not about the money. It's about the motivation and the principle. But tell us a little bit about. Can you tell us a little bit about the book or? A little bit because I'm still writing. Of course, it. of course. Um, the idea was that during. Everything that happened, I got involved and I got to some nice, good relationships with people who were kind of mentoring me. 
Um, and one of them was an old guy who used to serve for a very long time in the Israeli <coughs> intelligence um, services. And he told me, listen, you're going to start having, just at the beginning, before we even, we even know what's going on, he told me, listen, it's going to be a big thing. You better start writing because you're going you're gonna to need to remember it. Yeah. Um, and I started writing and while I was writing I realized that this was my getaway because from day one we thought it's going to be like a two days, one week, one month, three months, six months thing then it would be over but it didn't and my getaway was writing and I wrote everything that is happening present time and slowly with time there were characters built and slowly with time there was a story to tell and became a book and now I just realized that uh, I just need to what we call uh, fine-tune it and after fine-tuning I think it could be out and it's a story it's the story of what happened to me it's about a guy who met this beautiful girl and everything in life was great at the age of 27 where he was uh, working with the Minister of Defense and he had a little I had a little bar running and uh, was having we both had big plans and then she died and apparently realizes that she died with two guys that are not regular citizens and they're criminals and then there was a lot of things that happened behind the scenes because the story was all in the news but behind the scenes all the stuff that happened with the police with criminals with um, um, politicians in both countries in both because we tried um, to get them out of Paris a few times on a plane or on a boat or wow um, but and it's a lot of things that I couldn't talk about in public media right. but I can put in the book and this is where we're <laughs> what it is <laughs> well yes or no or I can't answer did you try and kidnap these guys to try and get them here you don't have to answer that it's a, I, I understand I uh, know I can say we uh, kidnapping is something that is illegal so right we've never tried kidnapping anyone to uh, extradite we, them yourself we try no we we're not doing the 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 legal authorities can extradite whoever they want right Right. I'm not allowed to. I'm still a civilian. I right. could say that there were a few times that we tried um, to make them just go out of Paris or go out of France nice. with their own choices. I, you know that, that, and it worked, by the way. That that whole story is amazing. Let me ask you: Is there a reason why the Israeli government? Could not get them here. Was was that, or was that part of the goal? Or I mean, would they have faced tougher, uh, tougher charges, longer jail time if they? The reason from the first place, the reason that they were on a plane two hours after the after the accident was because they knew that they're going to face trial here, and the trial here, the the penalty here for that type of accusation was 14 years for the driver and I knew it um, the Israeli government could not do it because there is a there was an agreement between France and Israel that is here from the 60s 
um, and no one re-looked at it. And France could not extradite her, her citizens to Israel, its citizens to Israel. Other places in the world, yes. Israel, I say no. boo to that. Fortunately, I can understand that, but I think that Israeli government, if were a little bit more involved, there was a bigger chance that these guys would be under bigger penalty than the one they got. And more than that, if the Israeli Prime Minister, who unfortunately didn't do anything, could have done or talk or say even as a gesture, there would be a bigger effect on these two. So Bibi was the Prime Minister. He never got involved? No. Unfortunately, no. Wow. Is there a reason? Did he state a reason why or a spokesperson? No. Said? No. We tried all of them. And from most of politicians that we were in contact with, and of course uh, the Prime Minister and the Minister of Foreign Affairs, we got no response whatsoever. Wow, seeing all those demonstrations yeah, nothing. and everything that you did. We got politicians, lots of them, actually uh, 89 of them signed uh, uh, a letter that we sent to the French um, president saying that, we as the members Sarkozy, of which Sarkozy. he's not a big fan of BB. Nope, that's the problem. They're not talking, so we had this one talking to this. Was a big Sarkozy's a jackass. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that openly. Yeah. Listen, fortunately, uh, I have a wedding to catch, but I'll be more than happy to talk soon. Definitely, Roy. I want to say thank you for everything. Thank you for being on uh, Insight to Israel again. We're going to get together and... Uh, and those guys that you saw just here in the, the talk, they're going to be protecting your skies soon. Wow, what a great... Here. Thanks for that picture. That picture is going to be That's awesome. a great picture. <laughs> those guys are great. Uh, and thank you again. No, you're welcome, brother. You're welcome. Next time, I want to have the chance to bring in some chocolates for here. Oh, yeah. Next. Okay? Roy, you have a great weekend. Shabbat shalom, thank brother. Enjoy the, the wedding. Thank for everything you do. Keep on doing the good things and thank you for so many things from me and soldiers that I know that now are getting your chocolates. I missed it. Um, but you are doing an amazing, amazing job. And the smile on those guys' faces when they get a little chocolate and a little shake hand, handshake and, and some good words. You're doing an amazing job. Priceless. Brother, you got a cup of truth, what I call it, insight to I'm Israel. Waiting. We'll we'll have it for you next time. Be safe, brother. Thank you. See you soon. See you, Roy. Alright, folks. Well, we're at the uh, we're at the train station in Natanya. And uh, I wanna in this final part of the second half, Roy had to go. He's really a great guy and I've been blessed make so many connections since I've been here and uh, you're going to listen to this radio show this Sunday you're actually listening to it now and my social media my Facebook's been down for uh, 30 days somewhere a Muslim or someone or a leftist didn't like something I said on Facebook which is usually it's not like I said anything outrageous but they shut it down for 30 days. This Wednesday on August the 3rd, we're going to be back up. Folks, we have a lot of video and pictures to post of bases that we've been to uh, with the soldiers. There was a base we went to. We handed out over 500 chocolate bars, 
and the Israeli soldiers all signed an, uh, an Israeli flag, and we're going to donate, give that flag to a church, Mary Elizabeth Hill and her, her congregation in California. We're actually going to mail that flag to them. Uh, by the time you're listening to this program, we'll have already mailed it off. So we want to give a big thank you to Mary and Elizabeth Hill uh, for being a participator and not a spectator in sending chocolates for heroes. Uh, we also uh, did a video of 200 uh, American Jews making Aliyah, coming home to the Jewish state, put on by Nefesh Benefesh, who sponsored that trip. Uh, we were at Ben-Gurion Airport, and wow, folks, wait till you see the video. You have to go to YouTube. Uh, look for Insight to Israel. You can Google in Insight to Israel or uh, Michael Gano, G-A-N-O-E, and you will love that video that we did. Amazing, amazing to see the miracle of American Jews coming home after 2,000 years of no homeland and 68 years of Jewish greatness building this country in spite of the wars, the bombings, the stabbings, the boycotts, the world cannot and will not stop the Jewish people. Uh, so you're going to love that video and much more. Uh, we have some bases coming up. We need your help in supporting Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. You can now purchase from us, which will save hundreds of dollars in shipping. You can now purchase chocolate bars here in Israel in increments of uh, 50 at a dollar a piece. Uh, you can uh, purchase those from us. You can email us the notes. We'll decorate the chocolate bar and put the note on it. Uh, then we'll take, a, I want you to also send me a picture of yourself, and we'll take a picture of your chocolate bar with a note, your chocolate bars, with a note, and collage it with your picture, and put you in the participators, not spectators, uh, Chocolates for Heroes, Insight to Israel Facebook page. With that, what the result you're going to find is, you're going to see soldiers holding your chocolate bar, and we have another uh, file folder called... Uh, testimony from the troops where the soldiers send a testimony. And you can link up with... This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.